Welcome back, everyone, to a special episode of Profiles and Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. On this episode, I am pleased to have and, and to introduce Steve Huntler. Steve is the Chief Claims Officer for the State Compensation Insurance Fund in California. He is a longtime insurance professional, self-confessed insurance nerd. We love that. With executive stints at Balboa Insurance, State Auto, CNA, Travelers, AIG, Zurich, is basically the uh, the cream of the crop, Steve. You might, in other words, you must feel feel really comfortable in Yankee Stadium. Then I do. <laughs> welcome, uh, welcome to Profiles and Risk. This is a special episode as we're doing some uh, promotional activity for the Claims and Litigation Management Annual Event in Dallas, Texas, March eighteenth uh, through twentieth. Where Steve, you're going to be receiving the CLM Lifetime Achievement Award again. Uh, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate it. Uh, as you're doing that introduction, I'm sitting there thinking, geez, I think I ran out of insurance companies to work for. <laughs> you hit all the big ones. Uh, there might be a few left, but uh, I don't think anyone has a lifetime long enough to hit them all. But that is a uh, really prestigious list and panel of insurers to work for. So Steve, how did you get into insurance? Uh, when I came straight out of school, I went into a manufacturing management training program at a very large manufacturing company. And one of the training positions that you rotated in and out of was uh, loss control and workplace safety. Uh, when a worker was injured, basically I would go out and conduct the investigation, uh, coordinate the benefits with the injured worker, and work with OSHA to complete any reports that needed to be done. Uh, then we would conduct some post-mortems and make some recommendations how to avoid future mm -hmm. uh, accidents like that. Uh, seems just like it was natural to go into insurance when the, the uh, downturn of the economy happened. And uh, I, was, uh, I was working with a group of folks and I met a person by the name of David Bauer who encouraged me to become a multi-line uh, adjuster trainee with GAB. And that was back in November of 1982. So it's been quite a while, but it just seemed natural to go into insurance claims. And that's what I did. So what did you study? Uh, I actually studied leadership and uh, uh, I, I studied business. Okay. So you, so you had a lot of opportunities to go, I mean, insurance is multifaceted. What was it specifically about the claims part that intrigued you? Why not underwriting? Why not sales? You know, uh, it's interesting when you ask that question because I like to be challenged and I like a variety of tasks. I don't like to get bored. And I'll tell you that uh, I think that's the reason that I went into claims. And I think that's the reason I stayed in claims for as many years as I did was because Every day is completely different. Every challenge is completely different. And uh, it's really the promise that all of our underwriting and our marketing folks make to our policyholders yeah. is that we will have good and great claim service. So it just, it was, a, it was very easy to transition over. And then, you know, a good claim person also has inertia. 
and inertia uh, makes it so that you don't want to move outside of well, I, I, you, you, that was foreshadowing because I want to talk about inertia because I'm friends with quite a few claims professionals. Uh, they're uh, eager. They love what they do. They always stay in claims. And they're, they're um, you know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, what's the word? They're inspired, you know. So what is it about claims that keeps locks people in, pulls them in and keeps them in and gives them this like inspirational boost that you see? Well, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you that, you know, for myself, that I recognize the, the nobility of the work. It's very, very, uh, it's, it's fun to help people that have legitimate problems and that are insured uh, with the companies that you work for. Uh, you know, helping an injured worker get healthy again helping the employer figure out a good job for the uh, injured worker to come back so they can return to work and they can, you know, to make sure that the healing process continues. But at the same time, you know, make sure that the abusers of the system don't, uh, you know, aren't able to abuse the system and, you know, pay what we owe, defend what we don't and do it with a great sense of urgency. You know, it, there's never two days that are identical. And I think that's what really, when, when a claim person gets into it, it grabs them. And that variety and, and how fast the day goes by, I think it makes a big difference. And, uh, and you feel good about what you've accomplished at the end of the day. And it just gets better and better with time. And the longer you do it, the more challenges you see. And the more challenges you overcome, the better you feel about what you've accomplished. So, I love your answer. Yeah. I, I could see why you, you're, you're winning a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, that's some, some serious uh, mojo there when it comes to claims. So uh, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about, you know, we, we live in this uh, time of, you know, quote unquote, insure tech, a lot of digital and technical changes occurring in our space. Um, I'm curious as to how things, how you have seen the change. So when you first started to what's going on today, how has the claims and claims process changed since from when you first started? <laughs> Jeez. When I first started back in 1982, uh, as that multi-line uh, trainee adjuster, we didn't have cell phones. We had pockets full and ashtrays full of coins so that we could use pay phones, and that's only if we could find one that was working at the time. Uh, that was how we communicated with our policyholders and claimants that we had uh, appointments with. If we were running ahead of time, you stopped, made a phone call. If you're running late, you let them know in advance. Uh, you know, there were, there, there, matter of fact, 1982 is when they actually came out with the first brick cell phone. It looked like a brick. It cost $4,000. And I don't even know how much it would have cost to get a subscription to it. But, uh, yeah, we didn't even have that today. You know, we've got, we've got iPhones and we've got the ability to text message folks and to <clears> let them know, you know, when we're running later, when we're running ahead of time. You know, back in the old days, uh, the insurance companies issued us company cars and they gave us these fold-up wooden ladders so that you could climb up on top of a roof. And uh, I'm a big guy, I'm six foot six, and uh, uh, I'm big boned. And they had these skinny little ladders that would fold up and fit in your trunk. And 
and I know that I challenged the weight uh, classifications <laughs> on those very good. But that's how we got up on top of roofs. Today, you know, you can you can have uh, you know satellite images of roofs, and you can have drones go up and and view the damage from a hailstorm or from a uh, from a windstorm. In the old days, uh, we used to take pictures uh, with a Polaroid camera. Remember the yeah. old Polaroid land cameras? And then we would get reimbursed for $1.25 per photo. And <laughs> today's everything's digital and it automatically uploads. You don't have to go back to the, to the uh, office and tape the photos onto a piece of paper and put in the description and send a copy of it off to the insurance company or put it in the file and, and justify it. We also took handwritten statements and we used carbon paper. <laughs> this is this is really going back, but you know today, you know, everything is highly specialized and it's and it's uh, and it's easily transacted. You know, companies, you know, each and every company that I've worked for has their own appetite for speed to innovation. Some of them uh, are fast followers; others are cutting edge, and, and they're the true innovators. Uh, like here at State Fund. You know, we're pushing the envelope and we're looking for ways to make the entire workers' compensation system even more efficient than it's been uh, for the injured workers, for the policyholders, the employers, the brokers and the agents that trust us with their business. You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, we're looking at a real-time utilization review process that we're calling You Are Connected. And it will, real-time from a doctor's office, they can go in and input what normally would be a request for authorization. And instead of waiting five days for it to be transmitted back, approved, and then transmitted back to the medical provider, it's done in seconds. Mm. And, uh, you know, you think about that what normally would have taken a five days or to a week, it now is being done in seconds. It's just amazing how the, you know, innovation has changed. And, some carriers want to be fast followers. Others, you know, they want to be cutting edge. And uh, but it's it's happening. Those predictive modelers, the the uh, the uh, the artificial intelligence, the robotics mm -hmm. behind it is just it's coming at us, and it's coming at us quicker and quicker. And it's really up to each and every one of us to put our arms around it and to embrace it. So, uh, so <clears throat> where where do we need to go? Where where how? I mean, let's not rest on our laurels. We've come a long ways. What do we still need to do uh, in the future to make claims even more efficient, even more effective? Yeah, there will be times when uh, that we'll look at technology as it progresses and little touch to no touch will speed up the payment process and make it even more accurate. Uh, the one thing that you just about know for sure is that this is a people business. It's not going to put people out of work. It's just going to change how they work, and it's going to change what they do and how they do it. I don't think that you'll see, at least in our lifetime, uh, where it will be totally done by robotics and analytics. It'll still take people to put it together, to analyze it, to put that human touch to what we do and how we get it done. Um, so, you know, this, this is a promotional uh, you know, piece for 
the CLM event uh, that's coming, by the way, for those that are listening. I will be there. Um, and Brian Falchuk, who a lot of you who are listening will, um, you know, will know, will recognize that name. He'll be there with us. So uh, I recommend that you do go because we'll have our selfie sticks out and we'll be re- conducting these sorts of interviews. But uh, from the CLM, Brian, uh, you're winning this Lifetime Achievement Award. What has the Alliance meant to your career or to the careers of some of your peers, um, you know, over the course of time? Yeah, you know, back in, uh, it was back, I believe it was back in 2012 that the CLM first hosted their first Chief Claim Officer Summit, and I attended that in New York City. Uh, From that point, I was hooked. And by the end of the meeting, I had already volunteered to either chair or co-chair all the future Chief Claim Officer Summits. I was also named to their advisory board. I became a chancellor of the Claims College and helped develop and deliver many of the trainings uh, for both the Chief Claim Officer Summit and the Claim College. Uh, It also allowed me to build a network. And if you think about CLM and its 45,000 members that do claims and claims litigation, uh, it, it allows you to build a network and specifically a network of the chief claim officers that I was dealing with uh, that allowed us to really focus on why we were bringing suits against each other and why it didn't make sense to do that. And we, we formed a, uh, 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 a means by which we could contact each other and facilitate resolution instead of filing claims against each other and spending the unnecessary money for one to win and one to lose. Uh, Without CLM, neither my peers or I would have had these types of opportunities to grow, to learn, and to improve together. And uh, I know that the network that that I have is one that I use quite often uh, of the chief claim officers. And even beyond chief claim officers, just the, all the claims professionals that are involved, those you know, 45,000 members. And that's a, that's a huge community when you think about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, claims is rapidly evolving. And from my perspective, um, you need that network, but you need that organization that's going to continuously uh, inform you, get you in front of the uh, the change and the training that's required to understand the change and how you can adapt to it, evolve with it. And the, to me, that seems like, you know, the CLM is sort of checking the boxes off when it comes to claims professionals, uh, network, education, training, uh, the, the whole thing. And so uh, I would like to congratulate you. Thank you for coming on and uh, talking about it. Uh, do, do, are they going to make you wear the black tie? <laughs> no, I think it's going to be a little bit more casual than that. Uh, but I'll wear a sport coat or something. I'll make it. <laughs> you know, so, I, I, I would I would be remiss if I didn't throw one more thing in. Nick, sure. And that's that, Please. Uh, you know, the, the reason that I urge claim professionals to attend the CLM is really it gives everybody an opportunity to satisfy their thirst, their intellectual curiosity. And who better to do it with than the organization that's the fastest growing, largest network of peers that you would ever come upon. 
And uh, it just gives us all that greatest opportunity to network with the industry's best and brightest. So yeah. I uh, welcome everybody that can attend, please attend. And I look forward to seeing you, Nick, there and Brian and everybody else. Uh, yeah. And thank you very much for this opportunity. Yeah. I, I, I do beg of you to wear a black tie. I will have my selfie stick. So uh, let's, uh, we'll get together. We'll, we'll share, we'll share a, a memento with the rest of the audience. I will bring a black tie just for there you. There you go. Please. There you go. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be worth its promotional weight. Uh, Steve, thanks so much. Congratulations again. And for those that are listening, again, it's the CLM annual event in Dallas, Texas, March 18th to 20th. And there'll be links either below this video or above this video. So please come visit me, Steve and Brian. Uh, Steve, thanks again. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers. Thank you.